So by way of review, uh, last week we talked about I have what it takes. Uh, tonight we're talking about the pain process. Everybody say, oh no. That uh, Somebody told me my, uh, my sermon slide for Sunday, uh, would the real mother please stand? Somebody said, that looked kind of scary. That looked like a horror movie announcement or something. That looked kind of scary. This one doesn't look scary, but it sounds scary. The pain process. Nobody likes pain, right? We don't like pain. But last week, leading up to the pain process, we, we learned from God's word that we have what it takes to fulfill God's purpose in our life. We have what it takes to accomplish God's purpose in our life. We examine spiritual authority. God's given us spiritual authority. Five levels of spiritual authority. Level one was calling. We got to be called. Level two is character. If you have calling without character, you will self-destruct. There are not just religious leaders all over the world, but there are business leaders all over the world, political leaders all over the world that self-destruct because their calling outpaces their character. And if you don't have character and integrity, but you have great giftings and callings, you will put yourself in a very dangerous place. Our character must grow to the level of our calling. And then level three of our spiritual authority we talked about last week is our commitment. Uh, our commitment must be in place. You, you've, if you're going to see God's purpose, you've got to be committed. Level four was consistency. We've got to have consistency. You can't just be committed for two weeks. But you got to be committed with some consistency. And then the fifth area or level was conviction that what we do is so much more effective if we put some passion to it. We are all passionate about different things. We can choose to be passionate about the kingdom of God. We looked at the areas that, that the boy, Jesus, grew and, and experienced growth in his life, and we learned from those. He grew in wisdom, and we looked at James 3.17, uh, that the, all the things that wisdom is, the eight things in this verse that wisdom is, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. All that description of wisdom is in James 3.17. So if you're seeking God for wisdom, you ought to get out James 3.17 and just pray through that verse. Lord, let me make a decision that is and just go down that line. And that will lead you to a godly place of wisdom. Jesus grew in stature. Uh, he grew in favor with God and favor with others. And we can do the same. So tonight, we're, we're talking about this pain process. This pain process. Uh, James 1 and verse 2. My brother, and he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect, why is it a her? I don't know. Patience have her perfect work? I don't know. Maybe you ladies are more patient than us guys. I don't know why the Lord, that could be, maybe, I don't know. No, doubt it. Yeah. Maybe you ladies teach us patience. <laughs> maybe that, that could be it. Sorry, sorry, don't throw anything. <laughs> All the men said amen. All the ladies started sharpening their pencil. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it works patience in us, and when patience has her perfect work, we would be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Another translation says it like this. Consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of all different kinds, because the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. And perseverance will finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if I'm going to get to the place, according to the book of James, 
where I am being a perfected disciple. We, won't, we know we won't ever be perfect this side of heaven. But if I am being perfected as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a believer, wanting nothing. In other words, if we get to the place, how many would love to get to the place of spiritual maturity where there is no gaping hole in our life? Where all the ands or buts are eliminated. <laughs> Careful there. Uh, they're great, but. He's really good at this, but. What if all the buts in our life were eliminated? I'm not talking about people, okay? <laughs> Give that time to register, sorry. Forgive me, Lord. It was the gas that got to my brain today that was coming up and went outside and could smell it. Uh, no, <laughs> they're, they're, she's really good at this ministry, but she's a nightmare over here. If I'm going to get to the place where all the ands and buts are eliminated out of my life, it's only going to come because I've been through some stuff and I've been in some trials. I've been in the pain process. Now, uh, we don't wish that on anybody. We don't want somebody to go through pain. We're not hoping. I mean, you got you got some personality issues at the least that we probably need to talk to you about. Maybe you need to see some professionals about if you're if you like pain. Yeah, bring it. More pain, more pain. That's weird. <laughs> That's not natural. Okay? You need to talk to somebody. All right? That's not natural. But we have to understand that when God allows us to go through some painful things in life, that pain is a tremendous teacher. So we may not wish it was like this, but suffering produces growth. Pain produces growth. There's so much in Scripture about suffering. There's so much in Scripture about pain. But um, if I want to make this disclaimer here at the beginning of this lesson that, um, you know, just because it's painful in our life doesn't mean it came from God. Okay? Sometimes life just happens. You know, somebody told me tonight they had a flat tire today on the side of the road. Well, you know, I don't know that you can make a sound theological argument that God sent the nail to that tire. Life just happens. Okay, I mean, when you get a flat tire, I'm not teaching that you need to pull over on the side of the road and go, thank you, God, I'm in your perfect will. Thank you for a flat tire. No. But I learn through the pains of life. Now, you don't want to be on the other end of that equation either that, you know, oh, the devil done got in my tire, right? <laughs> blame the devil for everything. Some people do that because they got to have somebody to blame. Typically, somebody who always has to have somebody to blame is someone who's avoiding looking in the mirror. Just wasn't really part of my lesson, but that's just free, okay? So the next time you feel a cold coming on, feeling that headache, sinus pressure, oh, thank you, God. No, you know, but we don't want to be, that dumb devil got me sick again. Sometimes it's just life, right? Sometimes it's just life. But we're going we're gonna to 
look at some scriptures here tonight that are going to refer to suffering as being a part of God's plan. And, and we choose to believe that the word of God is true. We understand that whether it is just life, whether it's heaven sent or hell sent, that I can learn from every piece, every square inch of suffering that comes in my life. And nobody said amen. Like it or not, I can learn from the things that bring suffering into my life. We learn from physical suffering. It leads us a lot of times to a deeper walk with God. Uh, you know, we, we learn from things that cause us pain. Now, I, I think there's another pitfall that we can fall into. We have to be cautious about as well. Uh, just because you have suffering or pain or physical trauma uh, doesn't mean that God's punishing you. It doesn't mean that everybody who has a chronic sickness is on God's naughty list. We're falling humanity. We're, we're falling humanity. We're all flesh. We get sick. These bodies break down. The older they get, the easier they break. <laughs> and the more that breaks or feels like it's breaking. Right? So, uh, and all young people don't know it. You don't even know what to write in your notebooks there. Like, oh, what? They don't even know. They don't even know. But so things happen. We get sick. We, we, we hurt sometimes. That doesn't mean God's punishing you. Now, you can, by dumb decisions, make yourself sick. You can live in an unwise manner. You can consume things in an unwise manner and, uh, and, and make yourself not very healthy. Uh, but that's not pain by God's choice. That's pain by your choice. <laughs> that's pain by your decisions. That's maybe another lesson for another time. But c contrary to what we all may think, there is no spiritual progress without some resistance, without some difficulty. You will not grow spiritually without resistance. There's a reason if you look, we're, we're praying for those in the path of the hurricane in Florida right now. We're believing God to, to preserve people and to preserve life and to preserve our churches down there, our, our sister churches down there along the Florida coast. But uh, there's a reason you look at those, those cameras, those views, those shots. I, I had a couple... Uh, uh, camera shots pulled up, some cameras that are stationed different places on the beach along the Florida coastline that are, you're just watching a live view of this hurricane come in. And and you can see these palm trees just bending and bending like this. Uh, they're, they're built uh, from the time they're just saplings, from the time they're small. They, they, they're built to take the wind and to take the pressure and to take the resistance. And there's a reason they can take Category 5 hurricane winds and and they don't break because they've they're they're nurtured in that kind of environment and it's the same way spiritually there is no strength without difficulty there's no spiritual progress without some difficulty in our lives and it's it's true whether we like it or not i learn more through suffering than i do through blessing when all the bills are paid and everything's good and nobody's sick and nothing's broken and everybody sees it my way and I get what I want in every area of my life, that doesn't teach me much. 
But when things go wrong and when plan A and B and C and D don't work out, and, and when that person hurts my feelings or that one offends me or I, I get a diagnosis from a doctor, that's when I begin to learn some things about the character of Christ. That's when I begin to grow in my spiritual walk. The psalmist wrote in 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Now you can use that word afflicted there in a couple of different ways. Before I was afflicted, like maybe the Lord gave him a little swat on the behind and afflicted him. <laughs> There's some kids in 2022 that didn't get afflicted. You can tell. Maybe it was like that, you know, or maybe it was just a trial that came his way. But he said, I, I would have went astray. I was wishy-washy. I was flaky until I was afflicted. Lord, afflict the flake out of some folks. <laughs> uh, put that on your tweeter. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we want to put that on social media, Brett. I don't think that'll work. Uh, the, some folks just hadn't been afflicted enough. Some folks, you can tell, they hadn't suffered. They hadn't had a bad, you know, they're collapsing under pressure, but you look at their pressure, and I know it's all pain is relative, but you look at their pressure and you're thinking, Lord, have mercy. Now, has anybody ever, may, has anybody ever thought to themselves where somebody's losing their mind over something that's just, not big, you know. And you know what you've had to go through in your life recently. And you look at what they're going through and melting down, you think, have you ever thought this? Dear Lord, if they really had a crisis, they'd fall apart. Anybody ever thought that? Let me see your hand. Okay, all right, I'm not the only one. Thought I was mean-spirited or something. It was just me. No. You look at some folks and they, they, you can tell they hadn't been afflicted. And, and what... What David's saying is, uh, you, can you can afflict the flake off of somebody. I was flaky. I was wishy-washy. But then I went through some stuff, and that made me drive my roots down deep. That made me stand up tall like a palm tree. A and then I realized that sometimes problems in life are, are simply a passageway to promotion. That, that God is using a problem, an affliction, to move me into something greater that he has for me. Maybe it's a greater level of influence. Maybe it's a greater, a greater uh, level of, of ministry. Maybe it's a greater level of kingdom impact. But you, you look at this happening throughout Scripture. Uh, Paul had tons of problems, but Paul was promoted. David had some issues. He was afflicted, but, but God used him greatly. Abraham, he, he was afflicted. He had some suffering, but yet God made of him great nations. Joseph was afflicted. You look at how he was abused and misused and mistreated, but because he handled the problems right, he qualified for the promotion. If you don't know how to handle the problems, you'll never qualify for the promotion. Is that all right? If you don't know how to handle your business, if you can't handle the problem and let God teach you to be an overcomer, you will never see the promotion. And if you're looking around and everybody seems to be passing you up, they're getting the promotion, they're getting the blessing, they're getting the, you ought to 
Don't, don't get mad at them. Don't get mad at them because you, you waste your time and emotion getting mad at somebody that God's blessing. In fact, you put yourself in a really silly place when you start opposing somebody that God's blessing. So rather than look at them and throw stones and be like, well, why them and not me? Why'd they get it and not me? Why? Look in the mirror. We need to get on our knees and say, Lord, let me pass the problem so you can see me worthy to get the promotion. Let me make it through the wilderness. Uh, and when I get through the wilderness, then I qualify for the promised land. Don't die in the wilderness. 2 Corinthians 4 says, for our light affliction, Paul looks at all of the crazy chaos of the Corinthian church and the chaos of his own life, shipwreck after shipwreck after suffering after suffering. You ever been shipwrecked, floating on a log out in the middle of the ocean, wondering if you're going to live? Anybody? No, not one of us. How many times does Paul have it happen? You ever been chained to a stone with a hole bored through? You ever been chained to a stone and your back, your back whipped bare, ripped open in the skin? Anybody ever had it happen? No. No. Some, you, some of you may think your parents whipped you like that, but it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> no. But Paul had all these things happen. He's in prison. Uh, you know, he's unjustly imprisoned, Right? He's got some stuff going on in his life. But the Apostle Paul looks at it all. He says, our light affliction. He said, nothing. No big deal. You know, really. He said, you know, I mean, if Paul was here, he'd say, Pastor, you're a wimp. You got, you know, you let a, a broken gas line you know, rattle your day a little bit because you didn't get the study time in that you wanted. And, and uh, he'd say, that's a light affliction. You know what it's like to be shipwrecked? He'd say, oh, you got a flat tire or your, your dishwasher leaked all over the floor or your, your gutters leaked into the basement. Or he'd say, he'd say you lost your job. Oh, you got a diagnosis where your life's going to be harder. He'd say, that's a light affliction. He said, it's for a moment, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Worketh for us a, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What is he saying? He's saying the things that you think are a really big deal in this life, that are really rocking your world in this life, he said, it's a moment. The dishwasher's going to be fixed in a week. The flat tire's going to get repaired. The basement will get dry. You'll get another job. You, you'll take medicine for the diagnosis. He said it's but a moment. But these things, this suffering, this affliction, it works a, a, to a far greater and eternal weight of glory. In other words, it's teaching us something. The problem is promoting me in a direction. Why? Because pain motivates change. When, when I experience pain, it motivates change. Pain pushes me to grow. Some, I said this early on in the lesson series, I think it was the first lesson, that some people grow because they want to and other people grow because they have to. Pain forces you to grow. Passion is a much better way to grow than pain. 
But if you don't choose to be passionate and get on fire for God, God will put some suffering in your life that will shake you up. God will put some pain in your life that will drive you to your knees. And, and you know what God's willing to do? He's willing to roll the celestial dice and say, I'm going to send a whale, a fish, a largemouth bass to swallow Jonah and put him down there. Roll the dice that he's going to repent and get right. If he doesn't, he's going to die in the belly of a fish. But if he handles the problem right, he's about to get promoted to the preacher of Nineveh that's going to turn a whole city with an eight-word message. God, help us respond to the pain and let it motivate change. Uh, ask anyone, ask anyone who's ever uh, ever had serious physical problems. Ask anybody, you ever thrown your back out before? Done that a couple times? I was, it was the holidays, we were with family, we walked into Guitar Center. And I got out of the truck, was fine, nothing. Got out of the truck and went to shut the door and went, oh! And I couldn't move and I, you know, tried to be tough, so... I walked like a dumb penguin into the store like this, and, you know, they're looking at me, and Zion's like, Dad, are you okay? And I was white as a ghost, man. I was in so much pain, I thought I was going to pass out. I went, they, they, hey, we want to play drums, and, you know, we want to have fun. So I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaning up against the, sat down finally a little bit, and I, didn't, I told my brother, I don't think I can stand up. You, know, you may have to carry me to the car. I was messed up. <laughs> you, anybody ever done that before? You can't move it. You're laughing because you've been there a few times. Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, it's bad enough when you're at home, but at least on the home, you you can fall on the floor and cry like a baby, you know. I mean, Guitar Center, sir, are you okay? Yeah, I just like my shoes. I'm just really looking at my shoes. <laughs> but when you you have pain, you learn to lift differently. You learn how to function, you know. I, I blew my knee out in high school, and and you you learn how to walk with a limp, and you learn how to you learn how to live. You don't just sit there and die, because pain motivates change. Sometimes it takes discomfort to cause us to reach for a better future. Sometimes it takes present discomfort to cause us to seek a a better future. Uh, man. You ask anybody who's really allergic to a poison ivy. Now, some folks, they're allergic to it, but they just keep, they, they, don't, they don't care. They just don't get it. But you find somebody who's allergic, to, who's, who's deadly allergic to poison ivy, they can spot it a mile away. Somebody who's deathly allergic to bee stings, you can see a bee coming that nobody else sees. You see a bee buzzing and you're, ah! Look like you're having a midair seizure out in front of everybody. The neighbor's looking, what are they doing? Because you saw a bee coming. Why? Because you realize that there's, there's some pain, there's some suffering coming your way. And so you get to moving. You get to running. You, you get to hiding. When the first step sometimes to, to present freedom is to despise your present change. Maybe I could say it like this. The first step to future freedom is to despise your present chains. You got to despise what you're stuck in, what you're bound by. You got to despise what wall you're hitting up against. And figure it out. It, it's the pain process. Uh, you you, you got to get motivated. 
by something. You gotta let some present discomfort allow you to seek a better future. Some folks, they know they need to change their lifestyle. But until the doctor looks at them and says, you're dying if you don't, there's not enough motivation. Until the Lord throws you in the belly of a fish, there's not enough motivation. Sometimes I'm teaching it takes some present discomfort to cause us to seek a better future. You ever visit somebody in the hospital who's about to die from a drug overdose? I've done it a few times. I've been there when shooting Narcan in somebody's nose and, and trying to resuscitate them because they OD'd dead as a hammer on their apartment floor. And you see them in the hospital start to recover, and they're making all kinds of promises. To, oh, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to touch this stuff again. And, and with God's help, they won't. And, and let me say, we believe that anybody and everybody can recover from whatever binds you, whatever addiction, whatever problem. But what motivates them to change was some present pain. What motivates them to change was some present suffering. God can use present discomfort to cause us to get hungry for a better future. See, we can ignore pleasure, but pain requires our attention. We can ignore good times. We can just sail through good times. But pain and suffering require our attention. The church mentioned in Revelation chapter 3. <laughs> See if you recognize this church. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. He said, you got it all together. Now, I've given the numbers before. You know, in America, if, if, you, if you own your own car, if you have your own vehicle in your name, you are in the top percentile of citizens of the world in 2022. If you own two vehicles in your home, if you have a his and her vehicle, you're in like the top single digit percentile of the world. We are a blessed people and we are a blessed nation even in a recession we're blessed even in tough markets we're still blessed so abundantly and the Lord spoke to a church like that he said don't you know though spiritually he was speaking you're wretched you're miserable you're poor you're blind you're naked that they had left their first love. They were blessed so much. They were blessed so much they were lulled to sleep. Church, we better be careful that we don't get blessed to a point that we are lulled to sleep. That God still calls us to live for Him. God still calls us to live holy and righteous. God still calls us to live lives of sacrifice. Not moments of sacrifice, but lives of sacrifice. Taking up our cross daily and following Him. If today's North American church isn't the modern version of the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, then we're at least a first or second cousin of that church. We, we have so much. We are blessed so much. I don't know. I'll be honest. I've preached in 
30-some nations around the world. I don't know that I've ever been in another nation besides Canada where churches have air conditioning. I've, I don't even, I've been in Australia, I've been in London, I've been in Paris, I've been in, in, in some of the cosmopolitan cities of the world. They don't ever even have air conditioning. And it gets warm like it does here. Y'all, we are blessed. In fact, we're so blessed that if we came in here on an August evening and there hadn't been AC all day, I could teach the most revelatory message straight from the throne room of God. And there would be people that wouldn't hear a word I said because they were so mad because it was hot in here. We are blessed. Y'all, we are blessed. You may say, I'm not rich, but if you have a car and if you have a house that's bigger than about 150 square feet, you're blessed. And by the world standards, you're wealthy. If you got a cell phone, a smartphone, an iPhone, my goodness, you're rich by the world standards. We better be very, very careful that we don't, you know, I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand in judgment one day next to the pastor in El Salvador who I've preached for, who his house is attached to the church building and is literally made out of rough-hewn trees that he and his family cut down out of the forest out behind their house and, and built a lean-to structure onto their cinder block little worship center and, 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 and he dirt floor in, in the house. I'm going to stand in judgment next to that guy. We're rich. We're wealthy. Now, that doesn't mean we self-loathe and, oh, poor me, uh, you know, I feel so bad. No. It means we better rise to the level of sacrifice and commitment, and we better not whimper down at some suffering or some opposition. We've got to say, Lord, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to thank you for the pleasure. I'm going to thank you for the good times, but now I'm going to stay with my first love. I am going to bless you. I'm, I, I'm going to seek you. Now, sometimes our, our pain can be self-inflicted. I, I touched on this a minute ago. Sometimes our pain can be self-inflicted uh, because of dumb life choices that we make. Uh, 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 you know, but even in those situations, we can ask ourselves, what can I learn from this? Usually, don't do that again. <laughs> the psalmist said in Psalm 51, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. This is after he repented, after he messed up, made some big boo-boos. He's repented. And he says, then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners will be converted. In other words, I'm going to use even my self-inflicted pain to help others. Hear me. You may have done some really dumb stuff in your life, but your dumb choices don't have to be wasted choices. Because you know what you can do? You can teach somebody, like David said, the way that is better. You can teach somebody there's a better way. Now, we don't glorify our dumb choices. I mentioned this a couple months ago. I get real nervous when I hear people talking about their former drug life like it was the best thing. Or people talking about laughing it up, yucking it up, how they used to get high. Man, we, yeah, oh, remember we used to party? You got a problem. If you're looking at that life like that, you ain't even, <laughs> you may be out of Egypt, but Egypt isn't out of you. There's nothing glamorous or glorious about that life. You hear me? So, so. When, I'm, when I get distance from it, 
I got to not let it be wasted. I got to say, you know what, let me tell you, maybe I don't shout it from the mountaintop. Maybe I don't say it from the pulpit. Maybe you don't shout it in the microphone. But maybe you're sitting down at coffee with somebody that's struggling, and you say, you look them in the eye and say, you know what, I had a similar, let me tell you about what God brought me through, and you don't let your self-inflicted pain be wasted. Just like the, the palm tree being strengthened by the wind, hardship improves character hardship improves character Lord I'm not asking for hardship I don't want hardship for my children but I've learned in my life that hardship improves character I've learned in life that hardship can make you sweet or it can make you sour and you may like sour candy, but nobody likes sour people. Nobody. They may be scared to tell you, but even your spouse don't like your sour attitude. <laughs> Going to need marriage counseling after this. Nobody likes a sour attitude. I got to choose that I'm going to let hardship make me sweet and not sour. Let it improve my character. God at times allows his kids to go through some pain that refines our faith, that teaches us, that, that puts knowledge into us. I, I, I'm hurrying here. There's two, two sources of knowledge. I have this listed in your notes. First is wisdom. Wisdom is learning from the mistakes of others. Wisdom. Uh, whoa, I'd never do that. Look at what they did. Oh, my goodness, I'd never do that. You listen to a, a, a young man who watched his father die a slow, painful death of lung cancer, and he says, I'm never touching a cigarette as long as I live. He's got some wisdom from the mistakes of others. People who say, you know, man, my mom was like this. I'm never going to be like that, which this is another lesson for another day. But let me just drop this off, okay? <laughs> you got to be careful that those statements are made out of godly resolve and not unforgiveness or hurt or bitterness. Because if you have a resolve that you're not going to repeat mistakes of the past, the Lord can help you. But if you are still bitter and in unforgiveness and spiteful at what they did, I will never be like her. I will never be like him. You're actually on track to be exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Because my lack of forgiveness or your lack of forgiveness or our bitterness about the person or the situation, what that is really proof of is that my eyes are still looking at them. And it's like trying to drive that way while I'm looking this way. I'm going to end up in a ditch somewhere, right? you got to forgive and let go. Let wisdom be a teacher. Experience is where I learn from my own mistakes. Now, kids learn this way a lot, right? Touch the stove, it's hot. Don't touch the stove again, okay? Maybe they're a little slower, like maybe I was. I was probably the kid that touched it three or four times. Slow, you know, some of us are slow learners. Give us time. We'll get there. 
It takes experience. Some of us just need more experience than others. <laughs> experience is where you, you, you learn some things the hard way yourself. You learn from your own mistakes. Now, people who don't let experience teach them are not very wise people. <laughs> They're not very wise people. They, they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Jesus learned that obedience through the things he learned this concept of obedience through things he suffered. Hebrews says it like this. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. It's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What does this mean? Another translation says it like this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. That's what it says. No discipline. There's nobody that enjoys discipline, at least we hope you don't. But afterwards, it says, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those that are trained in this manner. Those that let discipline teach them. They're going to be proved in righteousness. <laughs> now, the, the word here is, is chastening. The, the word chastening is derived from the Greek word uh, Pedia, which, which means training. In other words, when God is chastening us, when God is disciplining us, it is to train us. God doesn't discipline us just to hurt us. If a parent punishes a child just to hurt them, that parent needs help. You don't punish a child to hurt them. You punish a child to teach them, to instruct them. Pain is a part of the process. Under, see the difference? And so discipline, even in the kingdom of God, when you receive discipline, it's not about, I'm going to hurt them because they did a stupid thing. No. It's teaching it's training. That's what the scripture says. That word chastening. It's, it's teaching. It's, it's training. You're training that child. This is an unacceptable way to behave. This is the way you ought to act. That's principle of scripture. And again, we live in a world where a few dozen more kids need to be trained. <laughs> Amen? There needs, this is all connected to the the breakdown of the home and the breakdown of the marriage and the breakdown of the family, right? We, we learn the best often when we've suffered the most. Hebrews 5, who in the days of his flesh he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto them that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. The Living Translation says it like this. When Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings and loud cries and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers. Uh, here's, here's the thing. But Jesus didn't come off the cross. He didn't get down from the suffering. Why? Because the, the pain was a part of a greater process. That pain was a part of the process of our salvation. Here's what I ask you to do. I'm going to take like two minutes here. And, and then we've got a little bit more we want to cover. And we'll close very shortly. But if you have a pen or a pencil, I want you to get it out. I want you to look at your handout. And right here, it says, 
list three sources of pain or difficulty in your life. Now, every other lesson we've done in this series, we've had an action plan at the end where you were to write some things out when you go home. But we're going to do a little group exercise right here. I want you to look down at the paper, and I want you to list three current sources of pain or difficulty in your life at this moment. And if you're writing your spouse's name, just don't show them your paper, okay? Don't show them your paper. Sorry, bad joke. List three sources of pain or difficulty right there in the numbers. One, two, three. And then the second thing, as you're writing that, the next blanks are, ask the question, what can I learn from these experiences? Okay? What can I learn from these experiences? Think about it. If you don't, if you don't uh, have paper or a pen to write with, Pull out your phone, put it in a note document. Just don't get on Facebook or check messages or uh, <laughs> we're almost there. Write down three areas of current pain, stress, pain points in your life. And then the next blanks. What can you learn from those things? This is good. Everybody's writing, everybody's writing or typing or something. Write it down. Write your list. Here's the thing, when we start asking better questions, we're going to discover that God uses all of the pain in our life to make us more like Him. He uses all of the pain in our past, in our present, in our family, with our parents, with our children, with our spouse, with our job, with our shortcomings, with our failures. All the pain in our life can be used to out our selfishness, to develop more holiness, and to lead us closer to reaching our full potential in Jesus Christ. No, no trial lasts forever, but it can produce a harvest of holiness. Hear me? No trial lasts to infinity and beyond. But if we'll respond to it correctly, if we'll be faithful in the trial, that trial can produce a, a level, a harvest of holiness in our life where we become more like Jesus. Now, we know Romans 8, all things work together for the good. Everybody say all things. Them that love God who are called according to his purpose. Do we really believe this? I mean, let's be honest, that scripture is not always easy to believe. Lord, how does this work together for the good? What that scripture, it doesn't mean everything, hear me. It doesn't mean everything in my life is good. It doesn't mean everything in my life is godly, meaning from God. 
If somebody failed you miserably, God didn't send that. So where's the good? It's in the pain process. Because if I'll respond correctly to it, God will use that thing that hurt me to work something perfect into me, to work a harvest of holiness out of me, to work something in my spirit, in my character that couldn't come any other way. Perseverance is essential to my growth. It's essential to persevering through the pain that I, that I, that I say, you know what, my mind is made up. And I'm not turning around. I'm not mad at God. I'm not charging God foolishly. Because the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? It's not just Christians that suffer. Suffering doesn't just come because you're a believer. God's not picking on you. We all suffer. First Peter says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. In other words, because you're suffering, give God some glory. In the middle of your suffering. What is a greater testimony than when the world knows you're suffering and you just keep right on giving God glory? Or what is another great testimony is you find out somebody was suffering. They went through eight months of suffering and you never knew about it. They didn't bleed all over everybody. They weren't walking into work every day. My life's coming apart. You know what they were doing? They were just, I'm in the pain process, baby, and I'm going to get through this thing. And I don't need to cry on everybody's shoulder. I thank God for some close friends and prayer partners, but I'm not going to boo-hoo every day. I'm not going to walk in to the office every day with a frown. I'm going to pick up my chin. I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to praise the Lord in the pain. I'm going to sing of His goodness and his faithfulness stand with me together we got to make up in our minds church that we will not allow the mentality of victimhood to capture our imaginations look at your neighbor say you're not a victim you are not a victim you're a child of God you are a child of God we are not victims our world has a mentality of victimhood. Our world has a victim mentality. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's problems are somebody else's fault. I'm a victim of what they did. 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 Hey, I, I get it. I get it. Some of this church, you, you know some of my testimony, some of my story. We can all sit here and boo-hoo together all day long and, you know, cry and coddle, you know. <laughs> cry and coddle, cry and coddle. Or you know what? We can lace up our boots and say, let's go. So what? So it happened. Yep. It was terrible. Still terrible. Still don't like it. But you know what? I'm going to get up and move forward, and I'm going to let God teach me some stuff. I'm going to let God bring me closer to Him. I, 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 can, I can frame the work of God and all the suffering in my life. I, I can view all of my circumstances through these five biblical frames. Uh, through the frame of abundance. The abundance uh, frame says God has promised to supply all of my needs. Uh, I can frame it through the framework of holiness. Uh, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. I can frame the circumstances of my life through the frame of victory. Uh, that we are promised to be more than 
and conquerors uh, of the God who called us. I can frame it through the frame of acceptance that no matter what I go through, I am accepted by Him. I can frame it through the frame of hope. Hope, looking through the frame of hope that my circumstance says, and I know that all things work together for the good. So I may not see the good now. I may not feel the good at this moment. It does not feel good. But I know God's going to bring me out of this, uh, and he's going to bring redemption out of my story. Somebody give God praise right now. Somebody clap your hands, lift your voice, give God praise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands right now all across this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Some of you are part of your testimony is that you're still here. Some of you are part of your testimony is that when you should have been gone, when you should have been run off, when you should have got bitter and backslid, when you should have walked away from what God had you had for you right here at the sanctuary, you didn't walk away. You're still standing. You're here on a Wednesday night, man. You're here at midweek Bible study. When you should have backslidden in bitterness, when you should have went to drinking, when you should have resorted to something else, when you should have been in a mental hospital locked up for years, you know what? The Lord preserved you and you're still here. And maybe you're not even totally over it. Maybe you're still processing through it. But guess what, devil? I'm still here. It hasn't destroyed me. I'm not bitter. I'm not over. I wish somebody would just begin to praise God right now. In fact, we don't often do this. It's Wednesday night. But if you feel like just stepping out and giving God praise, uh, I feel this. Somebody ought to do that right now. If you feel like just stepping out, lifting your voice, uh, lifting your hands and saying, Lord, I thank you, uh, God, that in the process of pain, I didn't give up. I didn't walk out. I wish somebody would pray for somebody near them. If you see God touching somebody, just reach over and bind your faith and bind your experience with them in the name of Jesus, Lord, right now. God, right now, through the process of pain, God, you're preserving us. Through the process of pain, God, you're perfecting us. Somebody give him praise for that. That's it. That's it. That's it. Maybe bind your prayer, bind your faith with somebody near you if the Lord so leads. God, I thank you that I'm still here. God, I thank you that I'm still standing. Yes, yes, yes. And I may not I may not be through it. Maybe I'm still going through the trial, but I'm still here. Maybe I'm still going through the trial, but I'm still here. Maybe I still feel like a misfit, but I'm still standing. Maybe I still feel wounded and broken, but I'm still here. The devil hasn't got me to leave yet. All the antagonizers haven't uprooted me yet. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still standing. Come on, somebody give God praise for just a minute. Come on, somebody just pray in the Holy Ghost. Let God do something right now. Let God do something right now.